Well, good morning, everyone. I want to thank everyone that's brought the shoebox in for Operation Christmas Child. I want to let you know that it was a little bit off on the announcements. Tomorrow, if you've forgotten, between 7.30 and about 10, they'll be here. Then after 10, they're going to be gone. So if you haven't brought yours in, how many brought in a shoebox today or through this whole thing? That's great. You're going to bless a family. Well, I want to thank everyone for your prayers. Last week, um, on Saturday, I woke up with a low-grade fever, a sore throat, a cough, um, some lung issues. So I was like, here we go. I've been hearing about this. So I talked to Pastor Tim. He said, well, just go get tested. It'll be best if you get tested. So I went and waited in one of those 30-hour lines for the rapid test. Actually, it was three hours. Elaine says, don't exaggerate. It was three hours. Sorry. Okay. Came back negative, so thank God for that. That's a good thing. But Pastor Tim did a great job last week, didn't he? And this sickness really zapped me this week. And I was, I was sharing with Pastor Tim how great the message was on Sunday. I really was still not feeling well. I'm doing much better. I'm getting those vitamin shots and different things. But I want you to know, I want Tim to know, when he shares... We're not disappointed with the word that Pastor Tim brings. Can you say amen to that? He brings a great word and is such an important part of our church. We are blessed to have him here. Last week I was ready though. Talked about the rapture. You know, a lot of people, there's two people that are like, yeah, all right, the rapture. Now, when I was growing up, I heard about the rapture every week. And so I thought, Pastor Tim, I'm going to share a little story. Uh, it may go a little bit over my time here. But I'm the pastor, so he's going to sit back. He's okay. But I thought, I want to share this little story about me and the rapture. So he was talking about how sometimes people are concerned and scared when they hear about the rapture. Jesus is coming. How many have ever felt that in your life? When you were little, today, whatever it may be. Um, well, in 1988, Pastor Tim mentioned that that was a time where there was a book that was written. It was 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. So the guy that wrote this book, he said that no one knows the week, month. No, he said nobody knows the day or the hour. But it doesn't say that you don't know the week, month, or year. And so everybody's like, ooh, it doesn't say that. So there's this big conspiracy. I mean, this book was going everywhere. My mom's buying these books, giving it to every family member. Jesus is coming back. In the middle of September of 1988. Now, let me give you where I was in September of 1988. I was just engaged to be married with Elaine. We had saved ourselves for marriage. We were going to get married in June of 1989. So I'm hearing this book, I'm like, Jesus, come on now. Let's go September 1989. So it was the middle of September, three days. So during this whole three-day period, I'm seeing the sky, and all of a sudden, the sky is turning into all these little forms. You know, I'm like, oh, there. Is that Jesus... I mean, I was freaking out during this three-day period. Went to Night of Joy. How many have ever heard of Night of Joy? That was an event where all these Christian artists would play, and it was right in the middle of this three-day period. Went to Night of Joy. 
held on to Elaine's hand very tightly. Because if Jesus comes back during Night of Joy, I'm going with her, even if she's dragging me with her. But back in 1988, I know a lot of you have never heard of like Kodak cameras, cameras with actual film. I don't know, some of y'all might want to Google film, Kodak cameras, um, flash photography. Have you ever heard of flash photography? You know, where you take a picture and you go, it almost was like a little bomb that would go off. Well, that was the time that flash photography was happening. Everybody was at Night of Joy taking pictures. Every time a picture was taken, I repented. Let me tell you, that night at Night of Joy, I repented more than I had ever repented in my entire life. But I was freaking out. Jesus didn't come back. The guy that wrote the book, 88 Reasons, he wrote the next year a book where he missed something. It's 89 Reasons Why He's Coming. And then he died a few years later. Stop trying to guess the day or the hour that Jesus is coming. But how many are ready for the return of Christ? He's coming soon. Please welcome Pastor Tim as he comes and shares part two of the return. I just love Pastor Glenn. Don't you? He is an awesome pastor. So an elderly couple in their 90s passed away and they arrived at the pearly gates together and St. Peter welcomed them. He said, oh, we've been expecting you. We're so glad that you're here. Here, I'm gonna take you on a little tour of what you can expect. And he took this couple to the place where they would live. And it was a high-rise condo, and they were near the top, and it was this five-bedroom, beautifully appointed. And Peter's like, how do you like it? And the husband says, all right, how much does this cost? And Peter says, this cost, this is free. This is heaven. And if you'll notice, it's, you see the view? It's over the seventh hole of the heavenly greens. And uh, just so you know, there's always openings for you to play golf. I know you love to play golf. And the husband said, what are the greens fees? St. Peter said, no, you don't understand, my friend. There are no greens fees. This is heaven. It's free. Hey, listen, it's supper time. Let me take you and show you the buffet. And he takes them down and opens these doors and there's the most beautiful, amazing buffet, the smells, the sights. I know it's almost lunchtime, just bear with me. And it was just beautiful and the, and the old man said, all right, how much, oh, no, it's, I know it's free, right? Because this is heaven, but can you show me where the low cholesterol, low fat table is? St. Peter said, my brother, in heaven, you don't have to worry about that. You can eat anything you want. And the husband stood silently for a second, and then he let out this wail, this shriek, and he took his hat, threw it on the ground, started stomping, and of course everybody's looking. And then he turns to his wife, and he says, this is all your fault. If it wasn't for you and those blasted bran muffins, I would have been here 15 years ago. (laughs) 
how often do we overfocus on the here and now? Nothing wrong with brand muffins. We overfocus on the here and now and not focus at all on what is awaiting us in eternity. Can you say amen to that? All right, so I wanna welcome all of you who are watching online. We always have well over a thousand people, thousands of people a week that watch the service online, and I want you to know that you're just as much a part of this family as everyone that is here. Just a few shout outs for our second service. I wanna welcome Missy and also the Nichols family in Clearwater, and Deborah and Gary in Hudson. I wanna thank you all over the world, those of you who are watching. We love you, we appreciate you, and can we just give a hand to those who are watching online. So we're in this series, The Return. And last week we talked about the second coming of Jesus. Oh, to look forward to his second coming. It's gonna be a great day. Next week, uh, fasten your seatbelts. We will talk, uh, we're calling this Snapshots of the Book of Revelation. We're calling it Snapshots because going through the entire book of Revelation in a, in a verse by verse teaching is not something that we will have time to do unless, unless you want like a 78 hour church service. We are going to, however, hit some of the highlights and look at some of these things very deeply. I think it'll be beautiful to you, but fasten your seatbelts. Almost certainly there'll be some things that you never really thought of before. But this week, this week, we're talking about your end times, your personal end times, and what it is that you can expect, especially relating to the judgment of God. So let's pray, and if you have your Bibles with you, you can lift up your Bible. If you have your Bible electronically, you can lift that up. Father, we wanna thank you right now for your word, for your love. We pray that you would just prepare the soil of our hearts to receive that which you wanna plant in it. And we love you, Lord, and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at one verse to kind of introduce what we're talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. This is Paul writing. He says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We learn some really interesting things in this verse. It's packed with meaning. One of the things we learn is that this body is temporary and we will leave it, who we really are will leave it when we die. We kind of know that, but we will get a new body when Jesus returns for us. It will be a body tuned up for the new heavens and the new earth. Think Jesus' resurrected body, it will be like that. This body will last forever and God will make your new heaven-tuned body personally. Isn't that cool? You won't have to rely on genetics. God himself will fashion this body for you. But people ask, okay, well this is all well and good, but what about the judgment? We have heard that don't we all stand before God, the judge, 
And the answer is yes. Yes, we do. And we're gonna talk about three moments of judgment um, that are here for humans. One, uh, one or two of those moments everyone will experience. The first judgment is a moment where it's decided whether you will be with God forever or separated from God forever. Eternal life or outer darkness. Joyous worship or gnashing of teeth. The river of life or the lake of fire. Mountain of the Lord, Valley of Gehinnon. We say heaven or hell, this is what we say in our lingo, kind of a shorthand for these things. But the Bible tends to use terms like those other terms so that we can better understand the meaning of what's at stake. There's a second moment or second judgment where followers of Jesus and just followers of Jesus will be judged for the race they have run and they'll partake of the fruit of following Jesus. And then there's another judgment, a moment when those who have chosen to follow their own way partake of the fruit of that way. So we're gonna look at these three judgments today. <clears throat> the first one you'll see on the screen. Followers of Jesus were judged at the cross. Why did Jesus go to the cross? There are some that look at that and say, well, what a tragedy. What a tragedy that Jesus died on the cross. But according to the Bible, that was the plan. Some people say, well, it was good, but it was just to kind of set a heroic example of being a good person. No, that's not it either, because most of the world would see that as a failure, not a heroic example. Jesus died on the cross to take away our sins, to take the rap for us, to heal the broken relationship between us and the Father. That's why Jesus went to the cross. You see, Jesus is fully 100% God, and Jesus is 100% human. He is God bonding himself forever with the human race, and then taking upon himself the blame the penalty, and the price that we deserved. Listen to what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Peter says, he, he's talking about Jesus here, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Think of all of your sins and the sins of people who lived from the beginning and the sins of all those who will ever live being focused upon Jesus on the cross with a giant lens. Consider that every sin focused on that moment in time and history, that place on the cross and Jesus bearing them we talk about the crucifixion being painful, and it was, but it's nothing compared to the pain and agony of God's perfect Son, God Himself, the second person of the Trinity, carrying in His own body these sins. Imagine that, and yet that's what He did for us. 
And the first judgment that we're talking about here is the time when you call upon Jesus for forgiveness and you stand before God as a sinner. At that moment, you're standing at the cross and all of the consequences that you deserve, instead of being put on you, they were put on Jesus and you were set free. At this judgment, Jesus changes places with you. We know Jesus deserved eternal glory and honor, but he received death on a cross. You and I, we deserve consequences, but we receive eternal favor and forgiveness and glory. You'll see on your screen, I like this statement. It's a good thing to remember. When I trust in Jesus, I am no longer judged for how good I am. I am judged for how good Jesus is. There's this word that's used in the Bible many times, shows up, it's the word grace. It's the word grace, that we are saved by grace. You know what the word grace means? It means undeserved favor. Another way of saying it is unearned favor unmerited favor. So many people, they come to God and they're like, you know what, I, I would like to be in his kingdom, in his family, but I just don't deserve it. I've done too much. I look at myself and the secret part of me that no one else knows and I, I am not worthy. I, I've, I'm so far away from being worthy of this. I don't deserve it. And grace says, well, of course you don't deserve it. You don't come to God's family because you deserve it. If you deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. The only terms that God expects for you to come to him is precisely that you don't deserve it and you know you don't. It's a gift. Grace is something he gives freely. Isn't that powerful? That's why this is the one part of the gospel that is unlike any other religion in human history. All other religion, there's stuff you've got to do to earn. There's, this is the way human religion works. The gospel of Jesus Christ, there's works all right, and they've been done on your behalf by Jesus. Listen to what the great watchman Nee says about what we do to earn God's favor and what he does. He says, because the Lord Jesus died on the cross, I have received forgiveness of sins. Because the Lord Jesus rose from the dead, I have received new life. Because the Lord Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of the Father, I have received the outpoured spirit. All is because of him, nothing is because of me. Amen. First judgment, the judgment of the cross. The punishment has been placed on Jesus and not you. The second judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is an awards ceremony. And this is a special judgment for believers in Jesus. It's just for believers in Jesus. 
It's probably going to take place right after the resurrection when Jesus comes for his bride, but, but we can leave the exact timing of this event up to him. But listen to what Paul writes again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this time verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The word judgment here is a little bit different than the word judgment in other places in Scripture. Paul uses the word in Greek, bima, or bema. And this bema, this judgment seat, in ancient Greece was a raised platform where the judges of athletic contests would award laurel crowns of victory. So it's an awards ceremony. Have you, have you ever been, you know, like when you were growing up, did your school ever have like the awards day? Yeah, and you'd go there and they'd hand out these different awards, you know, the, the math person would get an award and the person with the highest GPA and person with good character. I generally skip these ceremonies. I know you're like, Pastor Tim, you didn't. So my deal was, I mean, I, I felt like I had a choice, especially in high school. It's like I could either do geometry and chemistry or I could read books on ancient Mesopotamia and Roman emperors and read the Lord of the Rings for the 11th time. And it just seemed to me that this was much more important. So I generally didn't get these high awards. I did get a couple actually, but found out later. But you see, when you are there, you are being rewarded for something that is good. It's not whether you're in or out of school, right? You don't go to the award ceremony to find out if you're gonna be allowed back in school. You're in school, it's okay. Instead, you're being awarded for special achievements, and that is what this Bema seat is. We are going to receive crowns. And I wanna go over very quickly some of the different crowns that the Bible says are going to be given out. The first one is an everlasting crown, an everlasting crown, and this is for those who run a faithful race, an everlasting crown. Secondly, there's a crown of rejoicing. This is a crown for those who share their faith. Tell others about Jesus. A crown of rejoicing. Third crown, there's a crown of righteousness. And this is for those who love his returning. Love his returning. I think most everyone in here loves the thought of Jesus returning. Except one person that one time in 1988 at the Night of Joy. So, but, I, but you've loved it since then, so I still think you're gonna get that crown, Pastor Glenn. And the next crown is a crown of glory. This is for faithful pastors. So there's another one, Pastor Glenn, you'll be receiving. And then a crown of life. Crown of life goes to those who've suffered for Jesus Christ. Okay, Pastor Tim, here, I've had people say to me, this is a little confusing because we're saved by grace. I thought we all kind of got the same reward. I mean, Jesus did tell that parable of the workers and the vineyard and how some started working at the beginning of the day and then some show up like right before closing time and they all got paid the same. 
And the people who were there at the beginning of the day are like, hey, that's not fair. We've been working all day. And then the master said, no, if I want to give to everyone, why does that upset you? It's my grace, right? So how do you square that with these special rewards? So I'm just gonna give you a little illustration. This is not from the Bible, this is just a way of thinking of it that might be helpful. I do believe that the joys of heaven and the love of our Father will be poured out generously and infinitely upon everyone who is in heaven. I think the Bible teaches that. But I also think that our capacity to hold that will differ depending on what we've been doing in this life. Think of your life here like a cup. Your ability to receive God's love and joy like a cup. And there are things that we do in this life like loving and serving, looking forward to his return, sharing with our neighbors, laying up our treasures in heaven, all those things expand our cup worshiping him, focusing on him, staying in the Bible, reading his word, prayer, fellowshipping with other believers, it expands the cup. So that when we are in our eternal reward and we're in the new heavens and the new earth and his eternal joy and love is poured out, I think some cups, we're all gonna get it equally, but I think some cups will receive and hold more than others. You will still be filled even if your cup is a thimble, but you see the level of appreciation will differ. And I think these crowns kind of support that. So the way we Christians live will determine how much joy we can contain when we die. It's on your screen. The way we Christians live will determine how much joy we can contain when we die. So. Run the race faithfully for that imperishable crown. Share your faith for that crown of victory. Love the return of Jesus for a crown of righteousness. Raise up others in the faith for a crown of glory. If you must suffer for Christ, don't see it as a tragedy, but as a privilege for the crown of life. Now, um, I do want to clear one thing up. I don't think that we're going to have a situation in eternity where some people are walking around with multiple crowns and looking at other people like, uh-huh. Leave your crown at home. Notice I have like three right here. I, I don't think that's going to be the spirit, and I, I believe this from Revelation, what's going to happen to the spirit of the people who receive these crowns be similar to the 24 elders described in Revelation 12, representing the believers of the Old Testament before Jesus, looking forward to him, and 12 representing those since Jesus came, looking back at Jesus. They all wore crowns. You know what they did with those crowns? When they were standing before God, kneeling before God, they took those crowns, they cast them at his feet in worship. I think... That's what we will be doing with these rewards. Is it's all you, Lord. It's all you. So, that's judgment number two. We've covered, we've covered the judgment at the cross, which is a judgment that can happen today. It happened when you gave your life to Jesus. We've covered the judgment seat of Christ, the place to hand out awards. 
There's another one. Those who refuse to be judged at the cross will be judged at the throne. The throne is not those other judgments, not at all. The throne is a place to read the evidence. This is a judgment for anyone who has not chosen to receive a free gift of rescue and forgiveness in Christ. It's a great white throne. Okay, this is hard stuff. This is not fluffy talk here. We're gonna get into some real things. And I think it's better to let the Bible speak for itself. Revelation chapter 20, starting at verse 11. John, the visionary, says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. But if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. To be clear, the book of life contains the names of those who said yes to the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. So if your name is in the book of life, it means you were already judged at the cross. There's no need for you to attend the white throne judgment. What you have done wrong, it's been canceled out. Jesus died on your behalf. If your name is not in the book of life, then what you have done in life gets read aloud there. If you've ever chosen to do what is right in your eyes, Instead of what God says is right, this is where it all comes out. No one can be good enough to pass this test. The standard is the life of Jesus, and no one measures up to that unless you've allowed Jesus to exchange his life for yours. That's why if your name is not in the book of life, you will not be with him. I know, it's like, well, wait a minute. God, can't he just judge on the curve? Because I know, compared to some people, I gotta be looking pretty good. Or there's, there's an old way of thinking, it's not biblical, that God would just weigh the good and the bad, and if the good is more than the bad, then I pass. That that's how it should work. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. God says it must be the life of Jesus, holy, perfect. We don't measure up to that, do we? Not at all. Do you see how critical it is, the gift that God gave us through the life and death of Jesus? You see why this is so important and why there can be no other way? Well, Pastor Tim, I'm just not sure I can square this with God's love. I wanna talk about that for a moment. Let's address the elephant in the room. We want God to be just, don't we? 
because we want justice. We want justice when we are treated unjustly, when we see people that we care for treated unjustly. We want a God of justice to set things right. We see all this evil in the world and we want God to be just, but we also want him to be loving. And the Bible says that he is both of these things. But if God allowed the evil in the world to go unpunished, undealt with, it wouldn't be just. If he did that, he wouldn't be good. So he has to deal with evil in this world. Problem is, we also have evil in our hearts, don't we? In fact, all of the human-to-human -human injustice and evil in the world comes from the evil in our hearts. This white throne judgment is about God bringing justice to the evil in the world and justice to the evil in human hearts. Can't he overlook some of the innocent stuff, Pastor Tim? I think the best way to look at this is think of heaven, God's future for us, being like this beautiful jug of water. And we say, just one tiny bit of cyanide, that wouldn't hurt it, would it, God? Just a drop of cyanide, because that is what sin and evil and wickedness is. Just overlook it, just mix it in, you won't even notice that it's there. Uh, God's not going to do that. He's just, he's holy, and not one drop of the poison of sin will be allowed in the river of life. On this question of hell, I like what C.S. Lewis says. He writes, in the long run, the answer to all those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What are you asking God to do? To wipe out their past sins and at all costs to give them a fresh start, smoothing every difficulty and offering every miraculous help? But he has done that on Calvary. To forgive them? They will not be forgiven. To leave them alone? Alas, I'm afraid that is what he does. Okay, but isn't God love? Yes, he is. He loves these evil-hearted, wicked, sinful people that he made, us. He has compassion. He has mercy. And so he sent his own son to take on all that poison, to hold out his hand, to see us as if we had never sinned, to embrace us in our stumbly walk as we try to live as children of God. And then he gave us each other to walk together. You do not have to stand at the great white throne judgment. You do not have to have your sins and faults read aloud to the universe. You don't have to spend eternity apart from God. He loves you. Jesus stands before you with an outstretched hand. The Bible says to call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. On your screen you'll see the book of life contains the names of those who said yes to the gift Jesus died to give them. Saying yes to it. Okay, so there are people, I know there are people, 
who say, well, I'm really too good for that. My own personal views of right and wrong and how people should be allowed into heaven don't seem to align with God's views. And I'm not gonna take the outstretched arm of Jesus. If you don't like his plan to save you, you will be allowed to be left alone. It is not the way. It is not the truth. It is not the life, but you can go into the outer darkness if you must. Okay, well, Pastor Tim, what about all those people who never heard about Jesus? Never had a chance to receive him. I mean, I hear you. It's a good question. The Bible doesn't seem too interested in making God accountable to our curiosity about God's plans for that. I suspect that he's thought of it and he has the matter under control. But can I get real with you? That's not the direct issue here. Because you have heard. You know what he offers. Even if today is the first time that you've really heard about what the gospel means, you know about the offer of forgiveness and new life. You are not responsible for someone else's response. You are responsible for your response. I want you to think of sin like an incurable disease, like cancer. It's a cancer that is spread throughout the whole human race. And imagine if a scientist today were to come up with a single dose, a single pill that could cure the cancer. And the scientist is a wealthy person and says, I am going to make it available for free to anyone who wants to take it. You take this medicine and you will be cured of your cancer. And imagine if some say, okay, well, this is nice, but there are other ways to treat cancer. I mean, there's chemotherapy. Who says that's not good? Why is your way better? What about radiation? There's lots of ways to treat cancer. You just think yours is the best? That's very narrow-minded. And, and what about all the people who, who haven't heard about this cure of yours? It's not fair. And the scientist says, I'll give you some to take to them. Take it to them. It's free. It's 100%. There are no strings attached. It is my love. It is my gift. Oh, it'll change your life. Seeing things from that perspective changes things a little, doesn't it? Here's what God has done. He's done everything to make this cure available to us. It cost him his own son, watching his own son suffer in this way. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, no one looking around? This is the cross moment, I think, for some people in this room. It's a private moment. 
That's why heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one looking around. It's because I think there are people in this room who have, I think maybe you in this room, God has brought you here for a reason today. It's to hear this message of what the gospel means, maybe in a way you hadn't heard it before. And you're at the cross. And Jesus is extending his arm and saying, would you receive my forgiveness and my new life? So I'm gonna pray for you in a moment. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or call you out or embarrass you or anything like that. But in a moment, I'm gonna say a prayer, and if you wanna be included in this prayer, I'm gonna count to three, and with no one looking around, if you wanna be included in this prayer, when I count to three, just raise your hand as soon as I see it, and put it right back down. I'm gonna count to three now, if you wanna be included in this prayer. One, two, three. Raise your hand, I see your hand, and yours, 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 Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. And yours. Thank you. And yours. Thank you. And yours, ma'am. Thank you. I see your hand. And yours. You can put your hand back down. Thank you. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Hands up all over this room. So we're going to say a prayer together. And everyone in this room can say this after me, repeat after me for the sake of those that raise their hands. This is a prayer of asking for for God's forgiveness, receiving the gift of Jesus. And if you pray this prayer sincerely, God has been waiting for you to pray this. He is eager to answer this prayer for you. And this is the day you move from darkness to light, from aloneness forever, to being with him forever. This is the moment. Would you repeat after me? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I know I'm a sinner, but you sent your son to die for me and raised him on the third day to give me new life. Forgive me my sins. I call upon the name of the Lord And I make Lord Jesus my Lord, my Savior, and my God in Jesus' name. Can we just praise him right now for what he's doing in this place? If you pray that prayer for the first time, the first time meaning it, this really is your birthday. I want you to mark this day down. This is time to stay connected with God and stay connected with his people here. We have so many ways to do that. Welcome to the family. Would you stand now to receive a blessing? And if you're online, you receive this blessing too by just turning your palms upward, and you can do that in this place as well. I have a blessing for you. May you be blessed with the joy of his returning. May you be blessed with the hope of your beautiful and eternal reward. May you be blessed knowing that you will be with him forever. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you 
and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, countryside. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you, Countryside, so much for being with us today. We love you. We care about you. And if you made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is just the beginning of your journey. God is going to do a work in you that you're not even going to be able to imagine how far he's going to bring you. And we're excited to be a part of this journey with you. So if you need prayer for any reason, go to countryside.cc prayer. We have people there ready to pray with you at any time of day. Let us know. We're here for you. We love you and we'll see you next week.